actually uh, high grade cricket. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on today's show. It's rained for four days in Hampshire during the second test between England and Pakistan, but how do we get more cricket when the floods of 2020 commence in the next apocalypse? Stuart Broad is fined by daddy. My cricket lets you hide your failures. Don't he retires and everyone in the history of the game is kissing the ring. Steve Smith wears an Aussie lid to state training and we celebrate India's finest ever player, Suresh Rayner. Ricky Ponting AO is on the show to tell us about getting unplayable balls at Mowbray Cricket Club, Flintoff 05, Ashwin Mancads and pranking Steve Warren. A Qantas flight this episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler, where you can get your customised face mask at budgiesmuggleruk.com and Manscaped, who are offering 20% off your purchase using the code TGC at checkout. Also, a huge shout-out, a special shout-out to our Patreon subscribers who are getting exclusive content for $5 or $10 a month, depending on what level they want to support us at patreon.com forward slash grade cricketer. You can also find this episode right now on YouTube, as well as full interviews and cut-downs of the show. If you want to like, comment, and subscribe, then please do, because that helps us out a lot. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined by Sam Perry, Pez, E-Lad. Mm. How are you, dog? Mate, I'm, I'm well, yeah. Coming from the land of uh, stingy eyes and uh, not knowing what time it is. I've just, yeah, had my, my ears. Well, my congratulation is in order because you, uh, you've, had a, you've had a second son. I have. You've had yeah. a second son, so congratulations on behalf. I couldn't get Jofra, unfortunately, to wish you. <laughs> I didn't actually think about that. I should have done it again. Good point, yeah. <laughs> and Jofra as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I've got his details now. Mm. Um, well, on that, on that uh, same mold, well, sincere congratulations to you. Thanks. Um, but uh, on that mould, uh, you know, Stuart Broad was fined by his dad for giving Yassir Shah a send-off in the last match. It's, we've had a lot of DMs about this, um, mainly through our Facebook page, which we should use now. As, uh, that's been hacked mm. by China. Evidently. Uh, someone in China's hacked Well, the Facebook, IP address so. is Beijing. Mm. Um, this, this, bit is, this bit isn't a joke. This it's, isn't a joke. It's actually been hacked. Um, and according to Facebook security, when we give our details, they say those details were never associated with that account. I wouldn't so. have thought so, lads. It's the Turkish blokes in China who run mm. this account now. Anyway, anyway. That's, leave that aside. Mm. See, I found a way to... It's easy to get on to Facebook people. about this stuff, though, to be fair. That's a good point. Easy to communicate with Facebook. Um, now, you've obviously, you're, obviously, you're obviously daddy times two, two times daddy. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I want to know how you're going to do this to your son in about 20 years' time. Oh, like, like yeah, how will I punish my son for transgressions mm. or whatever. Well, I could only think to the way my father did to me, right. frankly. Yes. Uh, circle of life. Circle of life, wheel of fortune. Well, uh, the, the one cricket story that comes back to me with my dad, yep. I was going to call him father, which I don't, but just for the <laughs> sake of gravity, father? I'll call him my father. Daddy. Mm. <laughs> Daddy kisser. Under, under 11s or under 12s. I'm not sure if I've told this story before, but it was, it was a club out. cricket match. So, like, not at the rep level or whatever. I'm like playing for my suburb. Lane Cove versus Monash. <sighs> grudge match. It was a grudge match. It was a battle of the Titans. There's some religion to- stuff going two on Two top teams. Well, you know, uh, unbeknownst to me, but, yeah, yeah, looking back, there was. Some Greek Orthodox against whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah Lane Cove was Roman Catholic, bit of Jesuit sure. stuff, I suppose. Right, bit of Jesuit stuff. And... Couple of like mates in the rep team play for Monash, yeah. and uh, I was a you know like a chubby little smart ass upstart playing for Lane Cove, and I was just ripping des- your leggies, desperate to succeed. Yeah, but like batting as well, open the batting, and I sneaked off for one, and like I was in uh, the, under 11s. Yeah, off. I was. Yeah, I still remember the bowler. I remember his name. I remember who caught it. I remember all of it. Is his family in trouble at the moment? <laughs> no, but I absolutely smashed it. 
And okay. me being me, yeah. I um, claimed immediately that I didn't hit it. Yeah. I threw my bat onto the ground, um, chewy, like chewy ground. So probably 9.30 in the morning, Lane Cove, Blackman Park. Right. And I kicked it, kicked my bat all the way off the field. It was sli- I still remember it sliding, my V-Panther sliding mm. on the dewy grass. Mm. I thought it was another religious reference there. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I, my head's down. I'm in at tears. I'm probably bawling. This is a, I'm putting on a real act at this age. And it's gone to second slip. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> on. And then I just hear, we all heard it, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've told this story. story. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. That's good. I still remember it's it. Good. It was my dad saying, yeah. we all heard it. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. looking back, like, I was embarrassed, but yeah. he was clearly saying that to send a message to the remainder of the Lane Cove community that this was not a reflection on his parenting. <laughs> He's wiping his hands clean of you. Well, I think he was just letting me know that, you know, you're putting on an act and you're lying, which I was. Both of those things were true. Okay. I still I sat in the car for a couple of hours. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was, you know, what do you put that down to? Probably entitlement. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I could say I'm being really competitive. But anyway, that was how my dad, my dad just, um, that's how my dad dealt with a, a transgression of mine. I didn't, I don't have a, I don't have any dad stories, but I <laughs> think that I have told, um, this one before, but I, I dropped a catch on purpose again, under 11s, 10s or whatever, when like the, when you retire at 30 and you can come back in at the end. Mm. And so their best player, rep player, just absolute gun might've been some, you know, some, some talkers, some, you know, New South Wales emerging blues wow. sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know about that. And <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, you look at me, you dared me. Fucking <laughs> hell. And, um, and, uh, he got, he got his 30 or whatever the retirement score was. And then their number 10, who, who was quitting cricket in 15 minutes' time, yeah. he could not play the code. He was still batting. And so he hit a ball in the air to me. What, am I going to catch the ball and let the fucking, you know, the gun player come in? Wouldn't have thought so. Right. I threw that thing right in the ground. That was amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Tactic. Great presence of mind. Yeah. And then I was scalded on the car ride home, just like not in the spirit of the game. Uh, from both from my mum, and then like I think she was worried though because because the other other team were talking about like taking me to the judiciary. Nice. I was legit ten. Yeah. Anyway, I got off uh, with a four to six week sentence. <laughs> Good behaviour, Bonds. <laughs> you had to turn up to judiciary in a suit <laughs> as a ten year old. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, England Pakistan was a thing that they tried to play. Yeah. Um, for a couple of days. Uh, well, four days of rain. Four days of rain there and nothing really happened. But the main conversations around this, Pez, are about like how do we how do we play more cricket? Now, this is funny in the age of global warming where I, I was talking to someone in LA the other day. It was like 110 degrees there. Mm. Not in Hampshire, though. It no. was just pissed it down. But then when they, they, a lot of chat about lack of urgency from the ground staff about, you know, getting on the field and, you know, like they, they called the day's playoff on day three, but then like there was two hours of just amazing sunshine afterwards, all this kind of stuff. I mean, I mean how do we play more cricket? when there is no cricket to, to be played because of weather, inclement weather. Yeah. It's like the, um, the argument against that is like invisible and nebulous. You never know who's actually making those arguments. Like everyone's on the side of let's play more cricket. Yeah. You know, like mm. we could have had a few hours here. Why are we taking lunch 40 minutes after we've started after a three-hour break, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, I want to I find the spokesperson who's like, no, you need that lunch. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, the union like, worker. Exactly, or just yeah. some somebody. It's like the uh, you know the Philip Morris movie. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the person who defends smoking. It's just like you know why 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 do you need to have lunch? Interesting. Why can't we play more cricket? Interesting. Why do these rules exist? Like, Tobacco is, companies. Is it is it just to EP? Is it wind up? Is it wind up merchant stuff? Is it WUM stuff? Yeah, but don't, don't they also make a good point? 
Like why? Like why do you have to take a break after you've been playing for fifteen absolutely. minutes? And take lunch, man. Absolutely. But the laws of the game are so stiff. Everything's so stiff. I was watching a thing. And they're not rules. They're laws. They're laws. Exactly. I was watching this thing before. Um, for uh, I think it's a it's a Ask TGC Friday for a Patreon subscribers. It's one of those questions. I was just doing some research on the long room in Lords. Yeah. And um, fuck, I really big that up now. I better I better nail that mm. that pitch. But um, Atherton was. I was watching this thing on Sky Sports, and Atherton was walking through it. And he's like whispering in the halls, and it's like this fucking stupid game that like this bloke's walking through the halls and he's just whispering in case like the ghosts of fucking lords are just like coming out through the walls. It's just like this thing is, this game is so up itself. <laughs> just talk normally, Athos. No one's around. <laughs> no, no one was around. No one's around. Just some old bloke in a suit. Oh man, I can't hear bacon, you. Tie. You're doing a piece to camera. Yeah. I can't, I'm literally li- yeah. like I'm watching. I can't hear you. It was, it was like, this one's about the beds of twins. Is it? <laughs> Well, we all know about the Benson twins. Well, we well, I think we know enough to know. You know, kind of like we know, but we don't know a bit thing. Anyway, hashtag look into it. Um, anyway, yeah. So, I, I mean, there was, there was actually uh, Ali Martin, friend of the show from the Guardian. Yeah. He, he posted a thing. It was just like, whatever happened to this plan? There was like this picture about. Um, it was a picture of Lords, and they they had pitched this idea of a hot air balloon lifting up, like basically a tent over Lords, which would cover. Um, Hell yeah! And I'm fucking into that space age yeah. stuff. I mean, we obviously we have um, we played it. One day is in Australia at uh, what's the name of that stadium now? It's called um, Marvel Stadium. Right. Um, with a closed roof, we play one day is there. That that could be a thing, but I mean, until like stadiums are closed over, like put put roofs on them, then I don't know. When it rains, like not much you can do about it, right? Yeah, the conversations about how to bring cricket into the 21st century are always really funny. I mean, it's just not. It's a mm. game that is uh, the antithesis, hundred the antithesis of what anything in entertainment any entertainment principle. Mm. Uh, you know, like you, cricket. I mean, where do you even start with cricket? Like, it, 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 it sim- simply oh, goes mate. for too long. <laughs> it doesn't fit oh, sorry, into life. Like, like before you even get life. into roofs over the stadiums and stuff like that, why don't you start with what actually happens in the game? Mm. Anyway, I, I like don't fuck with it. You know, slow food movement. Let it annoy people. All the the gamut of emotions is what cricket is about, mm. and that includes taking lunch five minutes after a three hour delay. <laughs> Nothing makes sense in cricket. Exactly. I mean, tortuous. Exactly. If it's meant to be convenient, meant to make you feel good, then it loses you know most of its luster. You That's know, true. I'm, I, I'm I'm for the annoying breaks. That's interesting. I'm for calling it off just as the sun comes out and there's two <laughs> extra hours that you could have played. Yeah. I'm for not starting in the morning. Yeah. To make up three hours of play simply yeah. because we don't play in the morning. Yeah. I, I, that, that's that's <laughs> cricket. If you started doing that, cricket yeah. would truly lose its spirit mm. of being annoying and you know anachronistic. That's true. Like if the DRS system was black and white and clear, then like then it's probably just like it'd just be an obvious thing of like oh well that's fine. This is black and white. But it's the annoyance of like oh umpires call. It's like I can't be dealing with umpires call. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Exactly. Are you kidding me? It's nicking the bales. I'm all for it being annoying and uh, impractical and you know lacking commercial sense. Speaking of annoying and impractical and lacking commercial sense, a bus. Let's talk about a bus. I want to talk about a bus because I was watching him bat the other day and that he is, he's uncoordinated and he's a test match cricketer. <laughs> he is uncoordinated. He is unathletic. He can barely hold a stick. Bowls great seam up. A wonderful bowler, especially in England. You know, yeah. he did, did some good stuff in the UAE as well in impossible conditions. Yeah. Stump to stump, 80 miles an hour, sort of 130 Ks. Uh, but I, I, I like him because he's, um, he's accessible. Is accessible to the uh, to the everyman of like sort of club cricket land. It's like, oh, if he can play, then I can play. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what sports meant to be. It's meant to be. It's meant. It's meant to allow people from all shapes and sizes to be able to take part. Like, you know, the the less Space Jam players we can have yep. across all sports, mm. 
the better, and Abbas is certainly that. Mm. He's he's a guy who's very good at bowling stump to stump. He's yep. not fitness testing through the roof. He's not jumping, you know, six foot in the air. He's not benching. He's not, you know, he's not doing his 40-yard dash, and it is yards. Oh, it is yards, uh, yeah. He's just bowling stump to stump, seam up, getting a nibble. Mm. Everyone has played against Muhammad Abbas, and he's unplayable. He's untouchable, especially in England, just a, just a perfect bowler. Mm. Actually, speaking of sprints, he saw uh, he saw Brezzy lad got 100 after he's doing his sprints. Yep. He, he, he messaged and he said the sprints worked and then said a bear emoji. Yeah. And the know, point man. is he messaged you. <laughs> he said, g'day, g'day, he goes, how are you, mate? How are things? It's getting a bit um, MS Dunny retired from Cricket Pez. Yeah, I like this. Um, that's probably the biggest story, not Muhammad Abbas being unathletic and uncoordinated. But, you yeah. know, I just, I just reminds me of a guy, hey, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, MS Dunny retired from Cricket. Now, it's an interesting one because, like, the way he's retired, you'd think, well, he is – that's that's Bradman. Bradman stepped away from the game, mm. and I'm what not makes s- you think that? Just well, what makes me think that is the online reaction yeah. to um, MS Dhoni. Awesome. Don't get me wrong, wonderful player, Mahendra Singh Dhoni, one mm. of the great players, one of the great players, mm. top top fifty ever. Okay, I'd say top fifty ever. That's pretty big. A lot of players, to be fair. Yeah, where does Manus fit in? Good point. Yeah, yeah. Zach Crawley's got a fifty. <laughs> anyway. But you know, it's funny because in India he he's 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 the king. Mm. He is everything. He's probably more popular than Kohli, maybe, maybe he's, he's up there with like Tendulkar, Kohli, that sort of thing. But it like, seems so in Australia. Wonderful one day player. Wonderful mm. one day player. Great, great number seven comes in. Probably the master of the chase. People in Australia think like Michael Bevan was a great finisher, mm. but it only took it to another level. Mm. Timed it perfectly. Just a player where like. It, I've never seen a player in the history of the game who's just like, I need to hit a six now and then hits a six. Yeah. Uh, remarkable consistency. Agreed. I need to hit a six now. I will do it. I will hit a six 115 metres. He's probably India's most successful captain. Uh, I think, I've seen people quote him, well, quoted as saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's so much more, you know. Like when I think of Dhoni, I think of ultra calm. I think of taking games deep, probably yeah. like too deep, like, he, deep. Uh, like yeah. uh, anxiously deep, <laughs> unnecessarily deep. <laughs> Yeah. Think of the helicopter whip, yep. you know, whipping with that helicopter. And I think of salads. Where does a salad fit in? Salads and lidlessness. Yeah. So he's the pioneer of the modern day yep. lidlessness. There's we plenty saw, of guys we saw previous. do it. We saw guys pre-lids do it, which makes sense. 100%. Jack Hobbs. Braden, very, very rarely seen in the lid. Great comb over. <laughs> Jack but the, Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> Tony but, Gregg's motorcycle helmet. once lids were available, most people opted to wear them. But Donny started bringing out just that salad, and particularly when the salad was long and flowing, you know, mm. Samson's Locks kind of yeah. thing. Dhoni really kind of created his own brand around that. I'll and tell you what, though, he didn't do that shit in Australia where it bounces over your fucking knees. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? You trying to save a fly from going into your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dhoni, Dhoni batting at night, batting at 10 p.m. in Madras yeah. with, with salad everywhere and That's just right. doing helicopters. Yeah, and you're watching it in Australia. It's, I'm not saying the footage isn't grainy, but the lights are a little bit dimmer than what we're used to, so it feels scary. It's kind of late at night. Yeah. He comes in. He's got a bit to do, and he does it it's invariably. Fine. And he, he'll, he'll hit Brett Lee over long on for six, the mm. last ball with his salad flowing. It's pretty good. It's good gear. The, yeah. the whole, that's a good image. you know. Yes. And now we've got this great genre that seems to have been building over time of just kissing the feet. Of Indian, of Indian players, whether yeah. it's their birthday or mm. whether it's uh, a retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, histori- a lot of birthdays. Historically, like, um, visitors to or would-be conquerors of the Chinese Middle Kingdom, <laughs> like, were expected to lavish the emperor. Yeah, uh, they were expected you know, to. With, with tribute. 
like upon their arrival. Yes. And I think it's no different mm. with Indian cricketers and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this, this, this genre sort of like kicked off, like former and current players queuing up to kiss the feet, you know, mm. Mahendra Singh, King of Kings, mm. congrats on a wonderful career. P.S. Here's a photo from a day where I dominated you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was one of those. There was one of those. That's the genre, and it's a it's a good genre. It's good gear because we saw this initially with Yuvraj Singh doing this to Stuart Broad. Stuart, yeah, five hundred wickets. One, I mean, this was this was mm. the meme that we literally posted mm. the, the other week, and it's like one in the check, five hundred. You know, when when he said when people think of you, they often think of the time I hit you for thirty six <laughs> and over. <laughs> what a fucking alpha a move. That's yeah. just he's just slapped his dick all over him there. That's just that's just big dick. <laughs> energy all over yeah. the place just like great achievement you yeah. right didn't have a glittering test career either. I mean, yeah. obviously great one day player but yeah. they can do what he wants Indians are just they 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 are the pharaohs. Well, that's what you've got to do. King of they, kings. They, you're right. They're the pharaohs. Budweiser. That's what you. That's what you've got to do on Twitter. And I yeah. think there's a lot of Aussies who are pretty pretty good at this game. Like the guys who are good in India. You know, like Steve Waugh's big in India. Steve Waugh big. I saw so Steve Waugh's message was like, you know, you've had a great career. I've really admired you. Wish I could have jeweled you as a player. Mm. It's like oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You read into yeah. everything. With it is. You wish I could have jeweled you. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm not saying no, you would have won yeah. by any stretch. Yeah. Like then Dan Bredig, friend of the show, pointed out that Ponting's picture was from a series in 09 that Australia won. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, and then uh, Brett Lee gets involved. It's just, just the, the Aussie guys who know to, uh, know the value of that rupee, I guess. Yeah, Brad Hogg posted a photo, obviously, you know, in the same line. In the same some, bracket. Some of the greats, Ponting, Steve yeah. Waugh, Brad Hogg. He posted a photo of uh, Suresh Rain and he was like, this is the only photo we have of each other. And it's, it's him bowling Suresh Rain. Great stuff. <laughs> now, I don't want to get too sidetracked because we obviously will highlight some of the great moments of Suresh Rainer's career. Now, Good point. As, is he trying to bury his own retirement or is he trying to attach it? Because, like, attach it to – it's probably the latter, isn't it? Because, mm. like – if if he retires in two days' time, Rainer, then um, people are going to be like, "Oh, that doesn't mean anything." But he's attached it to the same day. Now it becomes part of a thing. Oh, I just think he, he, you know, the basic comms principle is you want your own clear air, you want your own space, don't you? I mean, there's been a mistake mm-hmm. there. Like the, his PR, his PR team got sacked massively. Okay. There, like it's uh, not just sacked, massively sacked, massively sacked. The yeah. following week mm-hmm. would have been great because it doesn't matter. He played for India, and he would have just had the same people lining up. Steve Waugh. Brett Lee. Woody? Brad Hogg. Absolutely. It's it's an Indian Twitter retirement. Is Suresh Rainer that big? That's the point. Twitter it's, it's, it's an Indian cricket Twitter retirement. You've got to acknowledge it. Now, we need to address the – yeah, that you were highlighting there before, yeah, some of the greats, Steve Ward, a lot of work in India, loves that stuff. Brett Lee, mm. Michael Vaughan does it as well. And they, yeah. uh, Kevin Peterson's done a bit over there. And they start to get into – they start wearing the, the traditional Indian dress. They go yeah. for like that sort of silky vest as well. They start wearing that. Just to, just to let them know that, yeah, we're all part of the same team here. Yeah. Anyway, so we might start doing that, I reckon. Get that Indian bank. Get that rupee. Uh, they're all just mates. It's not a rupee thing. They're just doing it because they're mates. <laughs> There's what about my cricket going on here? Yeah, now we're talking. My cricket. Now, my cricket announced during the week that um, a two-pronged change their system. One, the ability to hide participation. <laughs> and the second, the ability to hide your profile. Yeah. So everyone, this is, um, surely everyone knows by now, listen to this. And we got sent this by 1,000 people. Yes. Exactly. Show rights itself, lads. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, and in many ways it does, actually. But... Um, the, yeah, so this is, this is the play cricket equivalent in Australia, my cricket. Um, and so now you can hide your participation so you yeah. can scrub yourself clean of this. I never participated yeah. in this. So I was no part of this. Or if but you look at a scorecard, you go through the 11 and there would just be two players for whom there's nothing. No name, yep. no no runs, no balls faced, yep. no wickets, no mm. batting chart. Yes. Now, to me, this is like a section 10. Okay. That like So that in the court system is that you announce well, – you, you, you can be convicted of a crime but you receive no punishment. There's no, nothing nothing publicly. So you like, basically like I played cricket for great cricket for 12 years, 13 years, something like that. Now I've, I've, I've done the time there. 
done yeah. the time there, but I can scrub that clean. It's just like there's no record of it. The right to forget. The right to forget. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I've thought about this quite carefully and I'll explain why. You know, I've gone to some detail around Have this because we've had a lot of people who've uh, – <laughs> a lot of people have written in about this. And like personally speaking, I actually I welcome this move from okay. my cricket. Yeah. Because it restores the capability to once again – lie about one's average and lie about oneself. I've yeah. never been comfortable with the idea that, you know, we joke about cricket, but you're just your numbers. All you are is your numbers. But we know, you know, that is true, but it's also about the grey space in between. Just coming up in about 10 minutes' time is you reading Ponting's numbers for eight minutes. Yes. <laughs> the, like, the cricket's about the capacity to, like, invent narrative about yourself. Right. Um, that's part of its richness, yeah. to lie about yourself. Yes. yes. And so the team at My Cricket, I think, have clearly realised this and once again permitted people their God-given right to push falsehoods about themselves. Yeah. If you're changing clubs, for et cetera, you're back in the game. You can say, I played ones and twos, blah, 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 yeah. because you've, you know, hidden your profile. Yeah, yeah. You might arouse suspicions, but <laughs> you can't prove it. Yeah. Um, have we said before you can change your name? Change your name so there's no... I don't that's think awesome. That'd option. be great if you could put in yeah, yeah. false names. Yeah, just, false names. Yeah. It's, kind of like, it's kind of like Twitter. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, it allows people now to eggs. engage in like deluded ideations about themselves. You know, you don't have to log on to my cricket see that you average 11.32 with the bat. You can stare at the blank space, invent anything you like. It's mm-hmm. basically, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker's ideations in New York except for cricket and my cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, in relation to this, I actually texted – uh, somebody very senior at Cricket Australia to ask why they did this because I didn't want to come to the show, just go, oh, let's just, you know, muck around and go, oh, you should be able to lie, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And they did say the anonymous function is around privacy and child safety. Uh, they're basically trying to avoid potential issues where one can identify a kid in the place and the time. So if you are against this, you're against child safety, <laughs> look in the hard drives. Fucking hell. Okay. So there's, okay, there was that element to it. But surely when you, <laughs> but surely when you turn 18, you should be... Forced. You should be forced. Yeah. I just think it adds extra colour to it. I mean, you go and play a team, everyone, like, looks at each other's my cricket scores and stuff like that. Mm. If you see a player in a particular team has just hidden certain things, like if they've kept their name mm. but not their runs or their average, mm. well, that sledging writes itself as well, doesn't it? What do you got to hide there, brother? <laughs> Here he is. All those LBWs. What does this bloke average? You know, yeah. he bats sick, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting, yeah. That's interesting. Well, I suppose... You want to hide your mode of dismissal so they don't know where to bowl at you. Yeah. Did you, did you ever look at yours and, like, the... the you get like a pie chart, don't you? Yeah. Of your modes of specials. Mine was so heavily skewed. Anything on the stumps. <laughs> I think most people's aren't they? Yeah, probably. Um, well, I played at two clubs that were both very poor at entering my cricket scores in, which is yeah, a blessing and a so curse. Yeah, that's so annoying. It is annoying. Yeah. It is annoying. I've got a my cricket um, anecdote later in the show. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, you look at all these scores and one club has put in all their details and then you don't even know what the other club did, like no names or anything. Just, mm. yeah. Mm. Good well, stuff. I mean, let us let us know out there if you're going to hide yeah, your stats. Please let us know. Reach reach out. You know, jump on YouTube. Slide into the comments. Hit the hit the. Uh, just let us know how, how you're going to hide yourself. Mm. Change name, deep poll, whatever. What are you going to do if you learn of others hiding themselves too? If one of your teammates is hiding stuff online, <laughs> yeah, you see where that's yeah, going. Yeah. You see where that's going. Um, and Malcolm Knox and Andrew Root actually wrote an article uh, last week about um, participation numbers actually in cricket is up twelve percent according to the CA census. Now, how much can we trust that? Given that it was a year, about a year ago when they were like, well, triple the numbers. it was Malcolm who exposed it. That's a good so I point. think if Malcolm is saying it's up, mm. he will have done his research. He's been compromised. That. He's either compromised, <laughs> which is a, probably the worst thing you can say about someone's professional. A remarkable um, thing yeah. to say, yeah, publicly. He wouldn't be compromised, Malcolm, but um, yeah. so it probably means that. Or watery secrets. True. But, yeah, keep going with it. 
<laughs> but it's actually good because yeah, in that article it's saying that there's female juniors, indigenous, multicultural, disabled players signing play cricket, mm. which is which, fantastic, amazing. Yeah. Given yeah. that like literally two years ago the, the state of the game is in disarray. Two years ago? 2018? Yeah, yeah, two years ago when we were cheating, doing stuff. Mm. And now everyone's saying like, no, you should be able to do oh, that. Oh, there's only three people who were doing it. <laughs> That's, yeah, it was, mm. it was a minority. It's only three. It was a minority. Hey, uh, Australian players are preparing to play cricket in England for an ODI series to save England's summer apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve Smith decided to save England's summer by wearing his Aussie lid to New South Wales training. Yeah. Next to a photo of Dave Warner, who's wearing a New South Wales lid. So, I mean, who's the good guy there? Exactly. It, yeah. Fucking rip up the script. Fucking rip up the script. Funny, actually, in that shot, obviously most people have noted, geez, Steve Smith's wearing his Australian lid and the rest of his New South Wales gear. Yeah. And David Warner's wearing a New South Wales lid. David Warner's stance is really pure and clean. He looks so conventional. At, just before he picks his bat up, as someone's about oh, his the bowl. Yeah, just right. his batting stance. Yeah, okay. Steve Smith looks like he's, yeah. he's playing baseball. It's just everything about it is yuck. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, thinking about Smith, like obviously what's going to happen with Smith there is, you know, if you asked him why he wears his Aussie lid, he's going to say it just feels good on my head. Yeah. The lid feels good on my lid. Yeah. You know, it's just a feel thing and we'd let him go. It's mm. like, no, you just you just do yeah. what you got to do, brother. Mm. You hold that bat, you lose your grip, get it back, you shadow that. Do what you got to do to score runs so we all feel safe. Wear whatever lead you want. Isn't it great? Because, well, that's also a signal. It's like I have no intention of ever playing any other cricket except for international cricket. He doesn't play any other cricket except international cricket. And this is the thing. Like, he plays like one game a year for New South Wales, but like. Because Steve Smith will play cricket until he's 80 because he just purely loves the game. He doesn't play, like clearly he doesn't play for the, the um, the identity and the uh, like, the grandiosity that comes with it. He mm. just loves holding a bat and striking the ball on the bat. Doesn't mm. matter. He will therefore be wearing that Aussie league because it feels really good on him. Mm. Playing club cricket when mm. he's sort of sixty, or playing you know Sutherland Masters or something like that. I think he's got a number in mind. What's that movie? What's that George Clooney movie where he's like he's in the plane up in the air? Is that the movie? Yeah, George Clooney's flying a lot, yeah. and in that movie. Um, you know, because we could relate to that so much because we're trouble so much work, yeah, you know. Uh, and um, sorry, just passed out for a second. And um, uh, yeah, in the movie, he's like trying to acquire like mile uh, mile points yeah. or whatever, freaking flying miles mm. or whatever it is. Mm. And then like he's being asked like, "What's the number that you're trying to hit?" And he doesn't say it. And he's like, "It's not the number. It's just like it's um it's the achievement." And Steve Smith has got a number in his head where he's just securing all these points and just like yeah, one here off the pads. Not much of the offside, to be honest. Mm. Just really crabbing himself right across. When he right needs across. to. Yeah. When he, if he has to, if yeah. he's been forced to. If he has to bring up his ton that way. <laughs> All right, I'll hit you through extra cover. Fine. You've got nine leg side exactly. fielders here. Three mid-wickets. Um, then yeah, so that was it. That's just a number. He's got a number in his head and that, he'll play uh, forever. Australia's going to England for this game, yeah. oh, for, the, for this series, and they're oh, clearly struggling to find selling points for it. So we've had Smith in an Aussie lid, which we've assisted with. And the other one is I've seen that um, – Stark adds muscle to get speed gun up. Oh, fuck. No, that's hitting some numbers there. Yeah. That's hitting some KPIs. Like battle of two decent ODI sides. England's very good. Australia sort of improved a little bit late uh, and probably are going to get better. You know, good tactical battles. Mm. A lot of young guys coming through. Can Sam Billings do it? Can Adam Zampa consolidate his you know, position in the side? How do you sell this? Or well, Stark's benching. Strong. How quick <laughs> yeah. is he going to bowl? Yeah. And it still works for me, yeah, to be speed honest. speed gun. That, look, that looks good. That looks good on a headline. Speed gun. Speed gun and Stark. What was the headline again? Um, Stark adds muscle to get speed gun up. Oh, muscle, speed yeah, gun. gun. That's fucking yeah. sexy. I said bench before. Actually, That's a, like Margot Robbie starring that movie in some capacity. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've been online a lot this week. <laughs> um, I said before muscle, he's been speed benching. Speed gun. That's, that's wrong. Like, do you remember last year um, 
just, you know, off air with Channel 7 stuff. Like, come <laughs> Fuck you, yeah, no, we're doing some stuff today. Cummins saying, <laughs> Pat Cummins is like, no, we don't bench because we're not allowed to bench. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It makes sense. Bench. Yeah. Yeah. And they do have quite flat chests. Yeah, but they're like they're extra, like paces in glutes and flexibility. Talk. This is what I want you so to talk about. This. If you actually okay, so yeah. like in terms of like if a bowler's doing like too much bench, bench, it'll like it'll strengthen up your rotator cuff and your in your like basically mm. your front dental deltoid, mm. and that impinges all sort of flexibility. Keep going. None of none of that works. Yeah. All power. Like look at like some of the great bowlers as yeah. we said before. You know Stark, Cummins. Mm. You know Brett Lee, Kevin Spacey. Mm. Yes. You know strong through the glutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Christ. But Johnson, Mitchell Johnson, all these yeah. bowlers, like excellent acceleration through the crease, but they're also extremely flexible. Are you saying – Look at like Sean Tate as well. Look at that flexibility. Malinga. You're saying, you're saying Sean, uh, Shane Watson would have bowled at least 150 had he not done bench? <laughs> because he, he did a lot of bench. He had good glutes as and well. And he's always welcome on this show. Yes, he is. We should try to get him on. <laughs> I tell you, he was on the show though, Pez. Pezzy yeah. lad. Yep. Get it through the chest. Is Ricky Ponting. Yep. Ricky Ponting's on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Daniel Friend wrote into the show. He said, hey, fellas, well done on landing Ricky next week. Here's one for hashtag RCGC, but we're going to do it right now. Like most people my age, Ricky was and still is a god. At an ODI in Sydney, must have been 04, he went out to do the toss. I was lined up with all these kids hanging over the ladies' stand fence with everyone asking for his signature. He bypassed all of them who had shirts, hats, mini bats, etc. Then when he got to me, he stopped, looked down and signed my item, which just so happened to be his most recent book. Obviously I was beyond stoked as I had his signature and it was a massive fuck you to the snotty North, snotty nosed North shore pricks who laughed that I had his book and not an overpriced cricket Australia shirt. So that was cool. Anyway, can you ask him how important his personal brand is? And if I can have some wine, cheers. And the answer to that, Daniel, is that yes, you can get some wine, but you have to get it from pontingwines.com where there's a discount code. Great Pontingwines.com.au. Sorry, pontingwines.com.au. Discount code. Great cricketer 15. I actually said a lot of this stuff, actually. Cowan's been, Cowan's been raving about it online. Other cricketers, they're sort of kissing the ring a bit. Now, you said kissing the feet before, but I said kissing the ring. It's a similar principle, surely. It is, yeah. But kissing mm. the ring, I suppose, they're actually currently in power, aren't they? So you're with Coley, you kiss the ring. What about that I next session, kissing, kissing the ring is um, like a mafioso thing. Kissing the feet was more of a biblical thing with with Jesus yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Both can apply, whether it's Ponting Jesus Danny. and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was a separate character. That was Old Testament. Uh, just one thing on Ponting before like there was, we did what a lot not? of we did a lot of uh, research on Ponting before before the interview, which you, which you will hear, and we can't like we can't sort of um, crowbar all the stories in. But one that I heard and I liked, and I want to share beforehand, just a little one. Please do. Uh, and I kind of I feel like it's fed into the way we kind of talk anyway. But like we, we've got a few uh, connections and um, friends who some of whom actually played for Tasmania. Yeah. And one of them told me um, this is probably this guy a little bit older than Ricky Ponting. He told me that um, one of his favourite story about Ponting, and I said to him, "Well, because we're going to interview him," and he said, "And I said, you know, ask for some stories." His favourite story about Ponting was that like he was such a he was such a gun growing up. As soon as he came into the side with mm. Tasmania, he was a gun and he was accepted and and whatever. He was immediately like a leader of the of the dressing room. Mm. And occasionally, you know, guys would have a good day uh, in the dressing room, and they'd sort of start. To, you know, it's like you know when you get a bit mouthy, you've had a good day, you're saying a few things and whatever. Mm. And Ponting just loved bringing people back down to earth. And so someone would get mouthy again and just start talking and Ponting would always say, get a few today, did you? <laughs> <laughs> that was his favourite thing to say, get a few, did you? <laughs> I just like that. That was good. That's good. All right, well, Ricky Ponting's coming out. Ricky Ponting AO. You might have seen his Twitter before. I don't play cricket for results. 
I don't come to take wickets, score runs, or win games. I play cricket to look good. Rigs, chests, pipes, circuits, salads. This is my domain. So when I hit the sheds, I need to radiate success. That's why I use Chop King Cologne by TGC. With a blend of the finest handcrafted English willow and Kookaburra Red King leather, Chop King Cologne lets me radiate cricket. Whatever the ground, whatever the circuit. Chop King Cologne. The new fragrance for men by TGC. Reek of runs without hitting them. Well, uh, here goes. Ricky's not aware of this, but um, we do like to start with numbers. Just numbers. Uh, and I, I couldn't resist just running through some numbers here um, because, you know, as, as we know, mm. cricketers are numbers only. They're not people. They're just the numbers behind the This is going to be laughable this, this time. This will be like, – these numbers, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it gets much better than this. Okay, let's do some numbers here. Uh, 168 tests, 13,378 runs, a high score of 257, 41 tonne, 62.50s. 375 ODIs, 13,704 runs, a high score of 164, 30 tonnes, 82 fifties, 289 first class matches, 24,150 runs, an average of 55.90, 82 tonnes, 106 fifties, 14 first class wickets. Australia's 42nd test captain, more win, more test wins as a captain than anyone else, more test wins as a player than anyone else, Ashes, World Cups. Uh, he's the best since Bradman, and um, although he mightn't know it, he's our colleague at Channel 7. Um, uh, Ricky Ponting, punter, welcome to the great cricketer. Thanks for having me, boys. The only number that I like to stand off there was the, the seven, the Channel 7 bit at the end. All the other stuff's a little bit long and we're all forgotten about. Uh, exactly. Well, you know, we're just a couple of colleagues having a chat here. Yeah. So. I, thought the four, I thought the 14 wickets might have piqued the interest, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't remember one of those, I don't think. So, and, and, the, and mind you, the batsmen that I got out, they shouldn't remember too much of that either. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll start in the same place as we always do with our guests, Panzer, if I can call you that, uh, with no invitation. Um, Mowbray <laughs> Cricket Club, Invermay Park, you famously debuted in A grade at age 14. What, what's your relationship to grade cricket? Actually, looking back now, it's probably the biggest regret that I have in my whole cricket career is I didn't get a chance to play more. Like, that's how special grade cricket is, I think, to, to everybody that's, um, that's played the game. I mean, it's, it's where you start, it's where you learn, um, it's where you pick up on certain things that probably stick with you right through your career. I mean, there's really famous stories of me as a, as a sort of seven, eight, nine-year-old lad jumping on my BMX bike and riding all across sort of northern Tasmania to find out where the Mowbray Cricket Club were, uh, A-grade team was playing. And I'd get, there, I'd get to the ground. Before the players would get there, I'd make sure I was the first one in the change rooms and I'd sit back in the corner and just watch and listen to what my idols back then were doing. Because it was, you know, when you're, when you're in a, a young bloke as part of a, a great club, you know, you're, the A-grade players are your idols, the guys that you look up to the most. So, um, look, I've learned so much from so many good, really good senior players at, at the Mowbray Career Club. And, and as I said, it's just a, a real shame that I didn't get a chance to play more. When you finished your career, you went back. When you announced your retirement, you actually went back to Mowbray and played a game, I believe, um, at the age of 38. You've played 170-odd test matches or whatever. Or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and you've just rolled into Mowbray with your Cricket Australia kit. Yeah, I was coming – I actually came directly from Hobart. I must have had a game in Hobart um, mm. and, yeah, rocked up, up to, to Mowbray. And as it is there, when, when you rock up to the ground on a Saturday morning, you – exactly the same as everybody else. And you go out and you pull the covers off and you roll the covers up and you do all that stuff that you're doing great cricket. So 
I was exactly the same as everybody else there. I, I do remember that game quite um, vividly, actually, because it was the last A-grade game that I played. And How'd you hit him? The ground that we play on in Invermay Park, it's 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 always been kept by the the, the Launceston City Council, so, and, it, and it is a park. So there's regulations on how short you can actually cut the outfield. So it was oh. almost impossible to hit a four. So I batted for about three and a half hours for about 20. <laughs> uh, finally, got an, finally got an unplayable ball to let go outside off stumps that seemed back about a foot and a half and clipped the, clipped the top of off. So it was, um, yeah, certainly a, a challenge. I think I always felt grade, grade cricket a huge challenge anyway because of the expectation everyone has at the club when you go back yeah. to play, you know, a game here and there. Yeah. You sort of expected to get 100 in no time or, or do that. And I certainly didn't do, didn't do that in my last game. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you talk about expectations and you gave a bit of a clue in terms of riding your bike, your BMX bike to the ground and being keen on cricket from a very early age. But like, it might surprise you. Like, like If you're in the grade cricket scene and, and you've played with Ricky Ponting, like, people are pretty keen to know what he's like as a bloke. Mm-hmm. And like of the many things that keep coming back, and we'll come to them a little later, like, one of the things is that you are or were like, a religious follower of grade cricket scores on the weekend, like, you know, even as test captain. Like, can you confirm or <laughs> deny that, like so many of us, the best since Bradman, i.e. you, love nothing more than opening the Sunday papers and religiously working through the results from the grades top to bottom? Yeah, that's. Um, I've always been known as being a bit of a cricket tragic, and not just sort of an international cricket tragic, or what's going on in first class cricket around the world. But yeah, I'll have to put my hand up and admit that that I would always keep a very close eye on grade scores, whether it was in Tassie or when I lived in Sydney. There, I'd, I'd always scroll through on a Sunday or even a Monday if, if, you know, if, if the grade games were going across the whole weekend and. Yeah, I'd um, you know I'd get the training with the Aussie boys on or, or the state guys a couple of days later, and I'd say to such and such Mike Hussey that someone got the hundred in Perth, or I'd say to Cameron White that I noticed that someone in Victoria is going really well, opening the batting. So, yeah, there's uh, there's certainly a lot of truth to those rumours. I kept a pretty close eye on what was going on. <laughs> what if you ever saw S. I, mean, I think, I think yeah. the reason, what, sorry, I think the reason why with that as well is when you when you are you know an Australian player or you're playing for your state, you, you just don't get a chance to go back to your, your club or, or um, even your association to, to play much. So the one way you could sort of keep an eye on some of these youngsters that you were hearing about was just by checking what they're doing in the paper on the weekend. Mm. You obviously, you went to the Cricket Academy at the age of 15, um, and I imagine you're probably the shortest bloke there, the youngest guy there. I mean, is that how you got so good at the pool shot, just because blokes who were 20, 21, <laughs> 22, just like, who the fuck's this 15-year-old bloke? I'm going to bounce him. I'm going to bounce him for two hours and that's, and you're just sitting back and just rocking him. Yeah, I don't know if I was the shortest bloke there, but I was definitely the youngest bloke there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've been asked that a lot about the origins of my back foot play and the pull shot stuff. And I think it, it, it's definitely to do with, you know, playing against men at a really young age. I think there was a fair, bit to, a fair bit to do with those older fast bowlers wanting to knock my head off and that sort of thing. But yeah. because I grew up, you know, in, in Tassie as well in northern Tasmania, you grew up playing on AstroTurf pretty much until you got to, you know, even second grade cricket, a lot of third grade cricket even in Tassie still played on, on AstroTurf. And, and we know that the ball bounces a lot on that sort of surface. So I think that's where it, it sort of started and just became a pretty important part of my game. Yeah. Just moving on to your actual t- you know, playing career, like mm. t- test playing career. I, like Pez and I were talking a week ago when we found out about this interview happening. And then we're just thinking about like, in, in our lifetimes, we're sort of of an age where every moment in your test career, Ricky, like I can remember where I was. And like <laughs> starting from the first one, Perth, 1995, against Sri Lanka, you're on 96, get that LBW decision. You know, so basically what I'm saying is, you know, 
Because because when you got out for 96 that day, I actually cried mm. as a 10-year-old. I, I was nine. I was nine mm. years old and I cried. So I just want to know um, if you're willing to apologise to me for making <laughs> me cry for not getting a 100 on Tester Boo. <laughs> I just wish there was a uh, DRS back then because I think I would have been putting my hand up pretty quickly to make a signal to have a look at that, that decision on review. But, yeah. um, mate, if you cried, you can imagine how I was when I got back in the dressing room that day. I mean, I, that that was the closest I ever came, I think, to crying on a cricket field when I was, you know, worked as hard as I did. Finally got a chance to play my first test match, got close to making a, a 100-odd debut, which mm. is obviously, as we know, a pretty small and select group. And then you got the decision that I got from uh, from an umpire that I don't think I actually – um, played in another game that he officiated. Yeah. So, um, it's actually Joel Wilson's yeah. first game. <laughs> Joel, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains it. Yeah. Well, uh, Ricky, we talk a lot about um, how the great Australian sides, of which you were a central figure, you know, did more than just give us joy, especially as children. You know, for many children who grew up in this era, they made us feel emotionally safe. You know, safety <laughs> is what we talk about. And like, with that in mind, when you took the coaching role for last year's World Cup and routinely stationed yourself on the balcony, were you consciously aware, you know, in the middle of the night in Australia, just how safe you were making so many of us feel? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one thing I learned pretty quickly with being an assistant coach uh, around that Australian team is you can't sit too close to the coach because he's a, he is that emotionally involved in the game and he's he's swearing or he's carrying on or he's cursing someone or he's always thinking that the worst is going to happen and we're going to lose the game or something. So I had to stay away from him as much as I could. But um, yeah, no, that that experience in itself, mate, to be around the, the national team again for a, in a World Cup campaign was was awesome. And, and I think. We probably didn't do ourselves justice in that semi-final against against England because I think looking back, going into that game, I think we were clearly the best team in the tournament and let ourselves down in that one game. But um, yeah, it was great to be back around the team again. So funny, Ricky, because like it, the things that you've achieved in your career, you've actually been in literally every single important series that Australia's been in for the last like twenty years or whatever, <laughs> or thirty years, going back to the nineties. But like probably the most iconic one is is the O five Ashes, and I'm sort of wondering like where that sits for you in terms of like your relationship to it, because I, I think if that was a drawn series or Australia won it, because Australia are always the bad guys, right? Like mm-hmm. it, the series wouldn't mean as much as it did, and, and probably part of it is because it was such a big upset because Australia's team and whatever. But you know, like, like how often do you? Because you know, you've won World Cups and played in the IPL and won the Ashes home and away and done all these amazing things. But like, you know, how often do you think about the O Five Ashes? And have you spoken to Gary Pratt? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did spend some time with Gary Pratt after the last Test match at the Oval. I really? gave him a pair of my, my shoes. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, signed and handed, I handed him off a pair of a pair of spikes. Um, do I think about it? I, I think about it a little bit because I get asked about that series yeah, a lot. Sure. I mean, it's, it's probably it's probably Sorry. the best series that I ever played in but probably the biggest disappointment in my entire career as well as a as a player and as a, as a captain as you say we went there with an awesome team that was expected to win yeah. you know we started the, the first test mate or the series really well with a really emphatic win at Lords in the first test and then things just slowly went downhill from there so mm-hmm. um, I mean I think at the end of the day though that, that series probably put test cricket back on the map a bit as well I think it rejuvenated the game all mm-hmm. around the world on the back and that's I think that just goes to show how big Ashes cricket is. You know, it's mm. it's always been the pinnacle and the optimum as far as I'm concerned of of our game. And um, you know, I had some good times and some and some not so good times playing Ash, Ashes cricket. But it's it's mm. when you sit back now. Having been retired, you just wish you could go and play just just one more Ashes test to be awesome. Mm. Like how how scared were Australia of flint off that series? Because it feels like Australia tried to find a flint off 05 for about 15 years. I was still mm. still looking for one. Mm. You know. Yeah, look, he, the thing about him in that series, he was probably as, as good a fast bowler as we faced in a long time. Yeah. And he chipped in with a lot of rain. He made a 100 or no at Nottingham and he got a, a big score in the second innings at Edgebath. That's so right, I think yeah. we sort of got them back into the game. So um, he was a funny one, really, Fred. If you look through his career, it was really only about Ashes cricket. He didn't do much else other than a, 
a couple of Ashes series, but mm. he, he certainly, when he was fit and up and about and at his best, and more importantly, when he had the ball reverse swinging, he was as good as anyone. Mm-hmm. So moving to your coaching, uh, Ricky, you're about to head off uh, to the IPL where you coach the Delhi Capitals. Uh, I look at that squad and I see some unbelievable players, you know, Shikha Darwin, the big oil rig, Marcus Stoinis, you know, <laughs> Rabada. So it's hard to know where to gear a question to you, but like given the opportunity, I guess I'd like to ask, you know, how proud of Ravi Ashwin will you be and how great will the circuit be when he single-handedly secures the IPL uh, title via multiple man-cats? <laughs> Yeah, I'll be having a chat to him about that. That'll be the first thing that I do. Because um, I wasn't, obviously, he wasn't in our squad last year. He's one of our players that we traded for to bring into the squad this year. Look, he's a, he's a terrific bowler. Um, he's done a great job in IPL for a long period of time now. But I must admit, watching that uh, last season, was it, or the season before, I know as soon as it happened and he did that, we had a, I actually sat our boys down and said, look, I know he's done it. And there were a few others around the tournament that'll think about doing it as well. But that's not going to be the way that we play our cricket. Um, we, we won't be doing that. So. Uh, that's going to be a conversation and it's going to be a hard conversation I'll have to have with him, but um, I'm pretty sure he'll take it on the chin. I think even him looking back now, he probably, you know, he, he will say that it was within the rules and had his right to do it, but it's not within the spirit of the game, certainly the way that I want the Delhi Capitals to play anyway. Fair enough. Uh, do, do you not feel like there seems to be an increased push towards normalising the man-cad like, on that basis, as in, you know, people say, well, you know, a batsman's out or a batter's out of their crease, well, then we should be able to gain an advantage out of that too if they do as well. That's, that's not how you see it. You sort of see a more intangible spirit element to it. Oh, I think there's ways that you can actually stop batsmen shooting like that. I think if you were to, if the bowler was to stop and the batsman was, you know, a foot out of his crease, for instance, why don't you just, just penalise them some runs or something, do that, and then they won't do it again. Um, and you've only got to do that once at the start of a tournament, and then all the players see it, and you can guarantee that the players won't be, they won't be uh, fudging any ground from there on. So um, that's certainly the way I'd go about it. I, I chatted to some of the, re- the match referees about it during last year's IPL as well. Um, but there's got to be, if the umpires uh, make a stance and do something to to actually warn the batsmen that they might be cheating, then I think that's better than having an ugly incident of a man cat. Mm. Ricky, I was watching your Australian story last night, as I like to do just from mm. time to time, just, yeah, so just, just YouTubing Ricky Ponting mm. uh, clips, mostly from Rogue <laughs> Linda 2, just pull shots and Damien Martin cover drives. But um, in that... <laughs> In that in that story, your dad was obviously interviewed as well, and he was talking about when you sort of announced your retirement and you made the phone call. And your dad, you said that your dad didn't want to accept it. He didn't want to accept that you were going to stop playing, and he thought you were going to just play forever and stuff. And it's really funny because we we talk a lot about here at the Great Cricket about you know relationships to dads, and most of the times dads will tell you at the age of nineteen to go and get a real job, move out of the house, <laughs> go to university, <laughs> try right. and find love, that kind of thing. But, but your dad wanted you to keep playing forever. So you know, like how, how hard was that conversation to actually have with your old man about, about that? Um, yeah, his reaction was, uh, I mean, it was completely different than that. When I told Rihanna that I was going to retire, her, her reaction was, look, yeah, look, you, you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to keep putting yourself through it. Um, but whatever decision you want to make, then I'll back it up and, and we'll just move on. And then, so I ring dad from Perth a couple of days before the test match there and, and say, dad, I'm, I'm, it's time. I'm, I've made the decision and I'm retiring. He said, don't be bloody stupid. You are not. Just go and get a, go and get a hundred tomorrow, and everything will be fine. So, <laughs> just, just get a hundred against Stain and Morkel. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. 30, 38 years of age when yeah, and I hadn't made a hundred in about six months. So yeah, just go and get a hundred tomorrow, but boy, and everything will be okay. But I mean, the other thing that he said, which is you know, the, what he said in that Australian story was, I think something along the lines like he, he might have lost an Australian cricketer, but he might have got his, his son back or something. Oh, so yeah, because um, yeah, I obviously spent as much time away. Well, so I spent pretty much all of my time from the age of 15 even to now where I've probably not spent any more than about a month, even in the, sometimes even in the same state as my family. So, um, 
yeah, that's you know that's that's where my cricket career went and took me away from family and and friends or whatever else. But but you know you've got to make certain sacrifices in your life to to sometimes get the best out of yourself. Uh, moving Ricky to the so clash this summer between Australia and India, sort of almost a heavyweight clash again now with Smith and Warner back. Um, if it goes ahead, there's going to be a lot of focus on the battle of the big boys, as we call it, you know, Smith v. Coley. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lazily ask you to name your preferred player more for your safety in India, uh, if it's not Coley. But um, <laughs> of the two, who would, who would you say is more important to their team? Uh, and how do you see the series shaping up generally? Gee, that's a really good question. Who's more important? Oh, you'd probably say Virat is probably more important to India than Smith is to Australia. One, because he's captain. I think, you know, if, if he had a bad series with the bat here, I don't, I don't think there's any way that he'd be able to lead that team as well as if he's having a, a good series with the bat. Um, um, so, yeah, I'd probably say he's he's more important. The other thing that to think about with the series is just how good the fast bowling attacks are going to be as well. I mean, India's attack for the last three or four years has arguably been as good as any in the world, and that's in home conditions and away. So, and they showed us out here a couple of summers ago just how good they are now with, you know, Shami, Ishant, um, Boom, uh, was Kumar, Kumar and, and, and Boomer. Yeah, I mean, they've got a really well-rounded fast bowling attack. So, And you put Umesh Yadav on top of that as well, who can bowl sort of 150 k's an hour. They're, they're very, very good. So um, it's always a great clash, Australia-India, whether it's a T20 or one day or a test series. And I'm really, really excited about what might happen in this coming, coming series. I know you've worked a lot with Marnus. Uh, I'll call him Marnus by, by his first name, and you've yeah. backed him, um, especially when very silly people were riding him off early in their career, uh, early in his career. Like He's had an incredible ascension through the ashes and a standout summer. Where should Australians expect him um, in terms of maintaining you know, those lofty heights uh, when it comes to India? You know, where, where should we pitch our insatiable expectations? Best since Bradman. Yeah. yeah mate, he, he, it's a remarkable story, really, isn't it? You know, coming into the side when he did um, – Play those couple of tests, went back out of the side, comes in in the Ashes series when Smithy gets knocked out, um, and and literally hasn't missed out since. It's it's and he's the way he's gone about it, and the way he's played, it, it doesn't look like there's too many, you know, technical chinks in that armour. Um, but I think the expectation probably has to come down a little bit. I think what he's done, you know, the last twelve or eighteen months, I don't think we anyone can think that that's going to continue um, as as good as it's been. There'll be times when he'll have his, his ups and downs, but. Geez, he looks like a, a really good, complete test match player to me that you know could potentially be around for a long, long time for Australia. Mm. You must have a really interesting relationship, Ricky, with, with India because, you know, I, I sort of remember like maybe, maybe not in Australia but certainly overseas, you sort of had this rep, uh, representation of being like very serious or very competitive or unfriendly on the field or whatever but everyone that we speak to um, just says that you're an absolutely ripping bloke. And, and so, you know, first of all, like, what are your secrets? Um, and second of all, you know, what's Harbhajan Singh like as a bloke? Yeah, I mean, the, everything did a full circle there with Harbhajan. I mean, he, he went probably from being my fiercest competitor, and he got me out a lot as well. He, mm. he, he probably got me out as much as anyone in yeah. national cricket. Um, and then I, I retire and I go, I'm head coach of the Mumbai Indians and he's in my team. So, um, <laughs> and I actually, well, I actually played with him. I captained the team, the team that he played in the year before. So, um, yeah, that, that went a full circle there. Um, one of my secrets about being a good boy, I think it's, it's just when it's cricket time, when it's cricket time for me, it is, I am ultra serious. And yeah. people will probably, they'll say that when I was playing and I'm pretty sure anyone that I've worked with as a coach would say exactly the same thing. I'm, I, I want to get the best out of every, myself first mm. and foremost, and, I want to get the best out of everybody that I that I come in contact with that, I, that I'm coaching or, or playing with. So, uh, but away from that, when it's not cricket time, I, I have as much fun as, as anybody else. And I think one thing I've learned with the coaching, certainly in India, the last couple of years, it's 
such a relationship-based industry, I think, whether it's coaching an AFL team or, or whatever or coaching a cricket team, you, you just have to forge really good relationships. And sometimes you've got to um, be flexible yourself to make sure that those relationships work. But I, look, last year at the Delhi Capital was as much fun, I think, as I've ever had around any cricket team. You know, I played in, as you say, World Cup wins and Ashes Series wins and whatever else. But the group of guys we had together last year, the level of play that we achieved and what we what we did away from actual competition last year was just two of the best months of my life. So I've got three months coming up in a, in a little mm. while to mm. hopefully recreate that same sort of environment and same sort of feel. And hopefully we can go one step better this year and make it into the final. I think you're showing what a great bloke you are right now, Ricky, because when we talked to Mark Atherton after 10 minutes, he said, can we go now? And you're, you're still talking. Can I go now? So you're still talking to us. I was, I was surprised you wanted to talk to him for 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> um, well, speaking of offering, actually, like, I was going to say this question to the end because this is the one I've been really wanting to, to ask you. Uh, like Higo said, everyone like we talk to who's run into you only has great things to say about the attention and respect you show guys of lower standing and everyone would be of lower standing than you. <laughs> so um, there's guys from grade cricket who've played a bit with Tassie and, and, and talk about you sharing greyhound tips with them, extending your hospitality to people, like endless stories about you throwing balls to younger players, like late into your career when you don't need to. Uh, you know, while you're here, like what advice would you give to all the would-be alphas out there <laughs> who ignore players in lower grade, look over their shoulders in conversation and generally think if they're a better cricketer than someone, they're a better person than them too? <laughs> well, that but- really want to be giving too much advice out there to, for people to change their, their personalities or their characters. But um, look, isn't it, isn't it all about, like if it's happening at a great club, isn't it all about your club? It's not just about you or your team. It's all about your club and trying to trying to bring people on and, and make people feel that they're part of the, journey, the overall journey of, of club cricket or state cricket or Australian cricket. That's what I always did. I mean, it's, I think I've always, I was always a really good student of the game as well. I think I understand technique quite well, whether it's, fielding, bowling, or, or batting, to be honest. So I always felt that I had so much information that I could pass on to these other people and just to try and make them better. Um, that was That really is, you know, and my motto when I first started the game was I just, I just wanted to be, a, I wanted to be a, a great player in a great team. And, you know, as a, so I wanted to be able to bring others along with me and maybe improve them where I could. So that's just, a, that's just me. I mean, it's, it's just something I think was probably just instilled into me at a young age. I had people helping me out uh, at the Maybrack Career Club when I was 10, 11, 12 years of age. And that's just the way I grew up and that's the way I live my life now. And, you know, that's what, I'm, what I can do when I'm not coaching is obviously pass it on to my kids as well and make sure that I'm doing the right thing by them every day and then they're growing up the same way that I grew up. Mm. Well, to, to lend a great cricket lens to that, you played in some pretty good teams. A <laughs> yeah. couple of pretty good teams. A yeah. couple of pretty good teams. We want to speak, want to speak about um, – you moved into some wines mm. now as well, which is obviously what we're here to talk about. And uh, I, I heard that uh, – you, you mentioned Rihanna before, and I heard that her say uh, on your first date that you actually ordered a bottle of wine, which was, in her words, half of what she earned in a month. So, you know, first <laughs> of all, excellent flex – Mm. Um, and you've obviously been into your wines for a while as well. Yeah, I was trying to impress on that first date. I mm. it was probably the, to this day, it's probably the most expensive, expensive bottle of wine I've ever bought. But yeah. I, was, I was trying to impress, and it, it must have worked because we've been together for nearly twenty years yeah. since. But what was it? Do you um, remember? Do you remember what it was? No, I don't actually. Yeah. Um, she probably does. You get a better, better memory of that stuff than, yeah. than I have. But um, no, yeah, we so we have started our own our own wine businesses, which has been a lot of fun actually for Brianna and I to be able to work together on a on a project like this. Um, that's obviously one that we're really passionate about. You know, mm. the, the brand carries our, our name. So it's really important that we're, we're doing everything we can to make it the best, um, 
product and best business possible and best brand possible. Um, and through these, you know, COVID times over the last, you know, five, four or five months as well, it's, it's actually given us a focus and actually something to do rather than sitting around home and just trying to homeschool the kids all day, every day. We've actually, we can get up and, and do some work together on a, on a passion of ours, which is the wine business. So, yeah, look, it's, I've probably been, you know, I've learned a lot about wine over the last, well, more since I've retired, I've been able to drink a lot more now that I've <laughs> finished than I was when I was playing. But, um, and through this COVID period as well, probably drunk a little bit more than I probably should have. But um, <laughs> so I'm learning more and more about it every day. But, um, yeah, so, the, the, I mean, the, the wine business has been sort of up and about for, and in discussion and stuff for about 18 months. And, um, you know, the last three or four months, it's been on, on sale through, our, through uh, direct sale through our website, which is pontingwines.com.au. Nice one, Ricky. Uh, speaking of new things for you, uh, last year you made a foray onto social media, a long-awaited foray. Um, you floored us all with your in, uh, with your introduction. You had a blue tick. You had footage of your very talented son playing cricket. You had the correct use of a semicolon in your first tweet. Um, <laughs> like, how, how have you found the very healthy, normal place that is social media, and has it taken you down any rabbit holes into particular conspiracies? And if so, what's your favourite? No, it hasn't taken me down any uh, rabbit holes just yet. I don't think. Anyway, I don't think I'm guilty of, uh, of anything there yet. Um, look, I'm very much. I want to say, I. It's Brianna and I as well that are trying to come up with content things to, to put out there. But and as you can see, it's um it's something that I'm not great at yet. I've probably only posted once a week, I reckon, for about for the last three or four months since I've actually been on, or six months since I've been on social media. But um. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. The people that get up and are posting two or three times a day, I don't know how they get the time to think about it, come up with some of the ideas and concepts that they do. So for us at the moment, as I said, it's, a, it's very much a, a new thing for us. And, um, yeah, so any advice that you guys have got for me there would be much appreciated. Oh, get off, I reckon. Just get out while you can. Oh, there's one or two silly ones, I think, before we'll, we'll let you go, um, get back to your actual business. But um, like, I don't want you to be alarmed by the following story, but sometime last year I found myself um, uh, parked next to a car on Ocean Beach Road in Sorrento just on my way to get a coffee. And out the side of my eye, I briefly spotted some Cricket Australia shorts on the person getting out of the adjacent car. Um, just had, This person was headed to the bakery. I turned back. Clocked a night. It was a very nice car. Then I then I saw the unmistakable walk, you know, with lots of intent to the bakery, and I knew that it was <laughs> it was you. Um, it got me thinking, you know, like Ricky Ponting's a guy that could have, have his choice of any shorts in the world. Um, why do we all find cricket training shorts so irresistible, and why do they get better in retirement? <laughs> Now, is this a made-up story? No, it's not. I, my, my, <laughs> wife, my, wife, been, my wife's mum. I might have been in Sorrento last yeah. summer. I'm not sure I was getting around in cricket. No, you, 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 so I'm you sorry. Like, you, you were. Yeah. I wouldn't make, make it up. He's baggy grand. <laughs> well, well. I mean, I, I was busy. because my, I was like, oh, that's Ricky Potty. My wife was like, oh, you work at Channel 7. Go say hello. I'm like, I'm definitely not doing that. I'm, I'm not going to tap him on the shoulder and say, yeah, no, we, we do this digital show uh, on 7. Just let the man get his bakery yeah. food. Uh, well, his you kids could have tapped me on the shoulder and asked me for my shorts, maybe. Well, I... <laughs> you know, this is what happens with internet brain and great cricket brain, Ricky. All I know, I was like, well, that, I could think, you know, that's RT Ponting, one of the greats of all, of all time. But one instead, I was thinking, oh, he's just wearing Cricket Australia shorts. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, to, to be honest, they were probably, if I was, and this is not a made up story, then I would have been one through the, the world. Normally, I have that stuff. I'll keep, I'll keep a pair of trackies or a pair of shorts or something. They're normally to be worn around the house inside only. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you might have, you might have got me there. If I, if I stepped out in the in the bustling, thriving streets of Sorrento in the summer with some cricket Australia shorts on, mate, you should have pulled me up. Yeah. Well, that, that explains the shorts. But why were you wearing your baggy green as well? <laughs> <laughs> we're just reminiscing, you know. It's, it's, it's been it's been it's been a while. Just shadow batting on the beach. 
I'll just want one more one then, just, just from a tip off. It's not a made up story, but it, just a confirmed deny. Um, so QF12, Qantas QF12 departing for the West Indies. Um, Ricky Ponting's in business class, and the bloke sat next to him, who may or may not have tipped off his story, is on their first test tour. Um, and he spills champagne all over you as well as your seat. So can you confirm deny was the flight then held up for 40 minutes due to what the pilot <laughs> called a small mechanical issue, which was actually the Qantas ground staff organising an entirely new seat for RT Ponting? <laughs> <laughs> like literally well, replacing I mean, the if seat. We get, if we want to go there, we go there, why on earth was anyone sitting a, a guy on their first tour next to me anyway? <laughs> Um, why was this young? Why did this young bloke think it was okay to drink champagne on the plane? Um, yeah, look, there's there's a lot of funny little stories like that. One one that I like was going to the '99 World Cup. I sat next to Steve Waugh on on the flight to to the UK, and hmm. I sat down and got my I got my toiletries bag, which for me then you know the thing they hand out. I thought that was a big deal. You know, you got some shaving cream and a little toothbrush and yeah. whatever else. That was a big deal. But he'd um, yeah. he's, he'd sat down. He'd, pulled out his brand-new IBM laptop that he'd been given and he was about to start working on his tour diary. And I thought, oh, I'll play a bit of a trick on Tugger here just to break the ice a little bit. So I got the shaving cream out of the bag and said, I actually shook up and said, mate, this breath freshener is unbelievable. Have a go at this. So he grabbed it and squirted it into his mouth thinking it was the breath freshener, it was the shaving cream. So which then was, which was then spat out all over his brand new laptop. So I pretty to say that I, I broke the ice quite nicely with Tugger. What does, what does a 24 hour flight next to Steve Wall look like? Does he yeah. even, does he even turn to look at you or does he just yeah. talk directly out the side of his mouth to you? Yeah. Not a lot of conversation. No, it's um, pretty quiet. Yeah, I think I was the one that was try- offering him the champagne this time to try and get him to talk a little bit. But, um, uh, look, yeah, he's a pretty intense man. He's always got something going on, whether with his writing or his or his business stuff. But um, yeah, they enjoyed every moment of playing with him. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Ponty, we've enjoyed the conversation as well. So thanks so much for your generosity and your time uh, and just going through the, I guess, the, the cavalcade of memories from your career. Um, we've got an offer code for your wines as well that we'll mention uh, either side of the interview as well. So um, yep. huge thanks, mate, for your time. Um, no doubt, just as colleagues, well, we'll catch you through the summer yeah. with Channel 7. And when we do come up and say hello, please look over our shoulder and pretend <laughs> you don't know us. Oh, I'll make sure I've got a pair of cricket Australia shorts in the car for you at all times as well. <laughs> Look good, play good, feel good. I guess to me, just whispering in their ears saying, get rarer. But realistically, I'm thinking from ball one, I just want to park this fucking thing into the car park. Play good, feel good. I'd probably call it the Joel Wilson Institute. Look good, play good, feel good. As we kicked off our Patreon service last week, many people jumped on board. Wonderful to see all that kind of support. We, we truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, it's wonderful to have that kind of support, especially in these times uh, of COVID, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, we had a very fun, a very first hashtag AskTGC Fridays, which we're going to move uh, forward to the day, day before your Saturday game. Just put that in your ears, plug that into your ears, and just think about all the things that are going to go wrong on that day. Mate, people, people responded, he goes. It was very heartening. And, again, we don't want to be earnest on the show too much. Fuck that. Know, because, exa- yep. Exactly. Mm. Uh, but we had a great response to the Patreon people 
want the extra content. They like Some nice the feedback. looser, darker TGC stuff. We kicked it off with TGC essays, mm-hmm. that long-form stuff, yep. stream of consciousness stuff, how to deal with getting out <laughs> after 10.47 a.m., the people you meet. Cool. You go on a lap with someone who you think is a good bloke, they've actually got deep anger issues. You try and avoid a conversation between old blokes who are objectifying the girlfriend of a young teammate. She's just come along. <laughs> She's just come along to watch. What a mistake that was. You know, then you decide to score. You don't want to do it. Everyone's been calling this scorer a rock spider all day. <laughs> Fuck And it turns out, well, this is true. And it, and, it, and it turns out he's actually an upstanding member of the community who's better at cricket, who yeah. was better at cricket than anyone who's on that field. Yeah. That's what happens, and that's how you get the way, you know, the, the way through the day. And then you've got the shower. We're going to record the, the second Ask to See Fridays after this, and there's some absolute belters in there. That's right. And, the, yes, and, then, and then we gave people a podcast as well. So it just mm. got looser and darker from mm. there. It was all sorts of hypotheticals. It was about mm. Melbourne grammar parents. It went mm. to a lot of different strange places. People don't have to do this. They don't have to do it. And that's yeah. the thing. We said, we said, yeah. if you can't do it, no dramas. Nothing will change for mm. you if you like the free service. If mm. you like Ricky Ponting, mm. that, ain't, that ain't changing. Or you like okay. Ponting, do you? Yeah. It's not going behind the paywall, mm. okay? All the free stuff is there. But if you just want the looser, darker stuff, yeah. there's some extra stuff coming in. This week... We've got another Ask TGC Fridays. And then every our, our goal is mm. every week we're going to give you a post as well. So whether that's TGC essays, whether that's dream analysis via a clinical psychologist or a counsellor. I'm uh, looking forward to that thoroughly. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what you're going to get with patreon.com. It's patreon.com forward slash grade cricketer. You can find it if you've used the internet before. But Pez, and if you can't, no dramas. If you can't, no dramas. Although if you can. <laughs> you just eyeball in that camera. And we're on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Asking for too much. Budgie Smuggler Pez. Budgie Smuggler, great friends of ours as well. Want to give him a massive shout out. Always with us, always supporting us. Great alignment yeah. there as well. They've got us this far. We're just, listen, we've been pushing this for the last couple of weeks. We're still in stage four in Melbourne. Face yeah. masks, doing an absolute, let's face it, we're going to have these masks around well, for a while. Well, that's funny actually, Pez, because like I was talking to someone in Sydney the other day. Don't mm. ask who it was. Okay. You know, it was Tim Bresnan. Um, and uh, I was just thinking like it, like face masks are going to be mandatory. Like yeah. they, they're going to be mandatory everywhere. Like that's just and it's like they are here, obviously yeah. in Melbourne. But like, like the, like this mm. thing ain't going away. It ain't going away. It's not an official budgie smuggler line to market things to say. It's um going to be mandatory. But I think it's good mm. practice to get a face mask, and you may as well look good in them. And that's where budgie smuggler comes into play. Now, noted this week, he goes, it was International Left Handers Day. Well, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And now, like. I'm all for highlighting oppressed minorities. I write with my left hand myself, you know, and there are a lot of yeah, products, a lot of products that are not geared towards left-handers. That's fine. I get on with it. I've got a lot of, a lot of other majorities in my life. In fact, all of them are, mm-hmm. and I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm normally on the side of systematically- You're a white man with a podcast. Exactly, a podcast, yeah. Um, <laughs> systematically oppressed minorities. Okay. Um, I don't rate the- you know, the response that says, well, what about straight people day? You know, for example, and oh, there's a lot of people tough. saying, yeah, 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 well, yeah. what are we going to have right hand day? Including friend of the show, Elisa Healy. Um, but yeah. I actually agree with her in this case, because when it comes to cricket, mm. left handers ain't an oppressed minority, brother. They're cheating. That's true. And also all lives matter. Come on. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, Left-handers are like overrepresented yeah, they are. in cricket. They are. In the top 10 lists of batters. Exactly. Uh, not so much with bowlers as well, but like if, if I've got two sons. We've, we've discussed at the top of the show. We did. I'm going to be making sure they pick up that fucking bat. Everything's as, easier. As though they're left-handed. The game's so much right? easier. They're going to score about... 90% of their runs behind score on the leg side for their entire junior career. Yep. As all left-handers do, they're going to get yep. selected in the rep sides and they're going to start fulfilling my, you know. Think of, think of, like, think of the left-handers in the top 10 run scores of all time, mm-hmm. Graham Smith, Chander Paul. Mm-hmm. You're telling me they're right-handers. Mm-hmm. They, they're, playing, they're playing fourth grade. Cook, BC, Lara. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, slightly better. Did Cook ever middle the ball? Did he ever middle one? Cook versus Hayden. Did you ever watch Cook and go, shot? Cook v Hayden. He scored 12,000 test runs and I was like, Averaging 40, (laughs) say early 40s in England opening the batting, is that worth more than averaging 50 opening the batting in Australia? He didn't fucking chest anything, Cook. He didn't chest anything. Chest anything. That's a good point. He didn't chest anything. That's a good point. Well, anyway, it's the same for this budgie smuggler, uh, Masks. Oh, yeah. Chuck a, chuck a couple left-handers on it. Yeah, a couple Here's lefties. the next person we're after. Here's the next white mm. whale. Or I was going to say it out loud. Barack Obama. M. Bevan. Oh, yeah. I want Bevan on the show, speaking to left-handers. Here's who I'd have on a mask. We spoke to him before. He's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, an event. Yeah, he's good. Well, Sharesh Rayner was a left-hander. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Oppressed. Yep. Declared on the same. Declared. He declared. He declared his declared innings closed. His innings hole. That's fucking lovely. Shit. Love that poetic, terrible cricket writing flourish. Where can they find it, Pez? BudgieSmugglerUK.com. Manscaped is also on board there, Pezzy lad. And they've got 20% off. Now, Manscaped uh, are very kind of us because we're influencers now, Pez, and they sent us some kit. Now, let me tell you, I've been using that bad boy nonstop. Mm-hmm. Is that too much information? This is my favorite no. part of the show. We're talking about my dick for 20 minutes. Go on. <laughs> also called hashtag AskTJC. Fuck, we're getting some emails today, Pez. Um, now, oh, it's an AskTJC. Maybe one for the Patreons. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's an illness. Now, Manscaped, good news. I'm telling you, mate. I'm telling you, it's happening. Now, Manscaped. Now, a couple of years ago, they, they released the, the Lawnmower 2.0, but now they've released the Lawnmower 3.0. This is a third generation trimmer. Features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, which we spoke about extensively in the past. There's no nicks, no cuts. Now, I've used this product myself now, Pez, which is a very confusing time for me in lockdown, mm-hmm. using Manscaped products in lockdown when I ain't seen nobody. A lot of, I'm buying a lot of mirrors at the moment. Buying a lot of mirrors is one of my bedroom ceiling at the moment. Oh, that does not surprise me. I never understood the ceiling mirror as a as a as a um, as like a sexual concept. As a sexual concept, yeah. you never understood it. Never understood that. What, is, that what, is that because like, you're what, always on top? What, is that what you? Well, as the alpha dog, yeah. As, as like, but if you're like, what view are you getting? I don't understand like what the appeal is of the anyway. Third generation trimmer. Yep. <laughs> now, when I tell you this is premium, Pez, it is premium, waterproof, uh, used in the shower. It's good gear, no nicks, no cuts, and this is a wonderful thing to be talking about for our for our marvelous audience out there. A lot of people need to be doing this. Now we spoke in the past about how things have changed in the shower cultures yeah. in, in great cricket, but I th- a lot of it's just confidence. A lot of it's just body image confidence. Manscaping is going to give you that confidence. I'm telling yeah, you, that's a good point. It's going to give you the confidence, the, opti- the optical inch. Yes, that's exactly what we want with the manscaped. Uh, well, and manscaped trimmer will provide that for you. It'll I provide it. You know, follically challenged guy. Don't have any hair on the head. Plenty of hair elsewhere. Sure. And I'm really looking for. I mean, you didn't. Allow me to take my Manscaped pack. I you, I've already used over. yours. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll still use it. But it will give me the opportunity to do what I'm not often able to do, which is enjoy trimming hair that I have. Um, they've also upgraded the motor, Pez, 7,000 RPM motor. I'm not sure if that sounds like a lot, but I like the, I like the, turn, uh, the, uh, the turn of phrase here. That's a motor which is called Quiet Stroke Technology. Quiet mm. Stroke Technology. Now, a lot of people will be um, you know, living with their parents at home, and they'll be very familiar with the Quiet Stroke. <laughs> not bad. Thank you. Let's not forget about the charging stand. Show, off your, show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligent design stand is a convenient charging stand dock powered by USB. Now, anyway, if you listen to this, you get 20% off. Go to manscaped.com. The code is, what's the code, Pez? TGC. <laughs> the code is TGC uh, for 20% off. That's manscaped.com. Crikey, it's time to shave those balls is their tagline. And what better way to slide right into hashtag RCGC. 
<laughs> it was well done. Well done. <laughs> Mate, the first one comes in. Is there anything else, anything else to talk about? Nah. Know. Ricky Ponting. He was good. Oh, I got one good Ricky Ponting story from a friend as well. Played played a bit of cricket with Adam Marr. He played at Tassie. Big oh, yeah, Willie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He played at Tassie and he was like, Big Willie, such, he's a great bloke, great fella, Newcastle guy and played against New South Wales for Tasmania. Ricky Ponting's there playing for Tasmania as well. And at the end of the game, Ponting has hired a bus and he's taken... Muhammad Abbas. Yeah, thanks. I saw, I saw that coming a mile off. Um, puts the team on the bus to take him down to his Muhammad house. Muhammad In Sutherland. And uh, they get onto the bus and, like, Willie's freaking out because at the end of every – like, at every Tasmanian event apparently someone's got to do a speech. And Willie's right. like, Willie's a great big-hearted fast bowler. Um, doesn't oh, I love a big-hearted fast bowler. Yeah, wouldn't string them together too well to his own admission. Sure. Very nervous. And uh, anyway, it's decided from the Tassie blokes that it would be funny if Willie um, did the speech. And so they come to the dinner. It's decided. It's decided. <laughs> And Ricky Ponting stands up and says, to speak now, um, to welcome everybody, uh, will be, you know, Big Willie, Adam Ma, will you come up? And Willie's shaking. Did, goes, did he know that he was going to do this? No. He didn't but know. But he, oh. he, he suspected sure. that he was going sure, to. Sure, sure, sure. And apparently he was like an absolute mess, which was hilarious for the entire Tasmanian side. Public Ricky Ponting comes up, puts his arm around him oh. as, he goes, as he goes around the table. And yeah. Willie, said, Willie just said, all I needed to do was to remember Punner's wife's name. And I completely forgot it. Mm. And Punner didn't mind. He just had his arm around him, said, it's Rihanna, mate. And he said, oh, great. And uh, you kind of, that was like his Ricky Ponding story. And then that, now they just trade um, Greyhound tips via text. Yeah. Ricky Ponting's not too good for anybody. You know what I mean? And if mm. he, you know, if he, the ultimate alpha, mm. doesn't have to wow for everybody, then what does that say for everyone else? Yeah, but he did question the umpire's decision once at the MCG in 2012. So, you know. Good point. Be perfect or fuck off. <clears throat> Love Ricky. Michael Holmes writes in, Pez, says, Hi, gents. I've definitely played against both of you, but I won't embarrass you to name the dates and grades I schnicked you off in. Love your content, but <laughs> when do you think the grade cricket culture we know of late 2000s to early to mid-10s where side-mouthing, showering nerd and pissing on debutantes will end. Richmond FC, that's the AFL club, has got roasted during the week for a grope which has been part of alpha sport culture forever. Are the days of the selectors knowing you're more endowed than your fast-bowling rival, therefore warranting your selection in second grade over? Do aspiring teenagers, teenage cricketers now get intimidated by dressing room presence? Do mature-age cricketers in 2020 who have endured the heights of the Sydney grade cricket scene still have a place in educating the ever-reducing age demographic of Sydney grade clubs? Why do 19 out of 20 clubs still despise Sydney Uni and their ability to win a toss on a green top at Sydney Uni number one? Your insights would be great. Regards, MH. Okay. Uh, this is a great question. I mean, it's one of those questions where, like, the, the really good question comes first or second, and then he just um, crowbars about three other questions in there some as stuff well. In there, yeah, yeah, some so, stuff. Well, if I'm going to get read it out, I may as well have all my questions in there. <laughs> Give it a go. Yeah, yeah. None of them are connected, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm still like you. Obviously, real with the way that he started. Like, there's a part, of, you know, by saying, oh, "I'm not going to embarrass you with the dates and grades." I snicked you guys mm. off in. Mm. Um, I'm did, happy. He did, to, he did attach the scorecards, though. <laughs> he I'm, did, he did. I, I'm happy to say that M Holmes doesn't ring any bell for me. Um, so bad luck. And a lot of names would ring bells. Does M Holmes mean anything to you? Uh, when I read it, I was like, maybe. Mate, but as I said, he should just bolt the stump. Sorry about sticking me off. Yeah, looked him up on my cricket. Did you? Yeah, good record. <laughs> One of those kind of like I played every grade kind of guys oh, who yeah, probably okay. say he played first grade. Yeah, yeah. I looked him up on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> what do he look like? Cunt. Hot. <laughs> Fucking hot. <laughs> hot. I saw he played he played a game he played a game of threes. <laughs> 
He played a game of threes for St. George okay. where I saw T. Copeland opened the batting, um, made 28 and he kept and St. George. I played against Coates when he, in, when he was keeping. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's just funny when you're like, you look, oh, I'm yeah, trying to yeah. look for this M. Holmes bloke who said he schnicked me off once. Yeah, Let's yeah. have a look at that. I played for St. George, yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, I, don't, I probably do remember him. Um, Anyway, five years later, Copeland opened the bowling for Australia. Um, but lots of middle grade wickets from this bloke, I, I guess. Um, but I'm reminded, speaking of change room culture, I actually like to hear from a lot of people who are still playing, especially people who've like traversed that sort of early 2000s to now and be able to see whether it's changed too much. Like I'm reminded of like a change room at one of the clubs I played at. Like our, our captain was just huge on circuits, you know, circuits, chopping, all of it, <laughs> pingers. Birds, yeah. organising women's attractiveness into horse groupings, you know, i.e. group two, group one, group zero, oh, okay, yeah. tubbing, penises, yeah. um, he, the full gamut. He was the whole thing. He was the whole thing. And people who are listening, I'm not saying, I'm not glorifying this. This is what he was, his information exchange. He loved the whole thing, the whole scene. <laughs> and, like, looking back, the in, I, <laughs> Not him. <laughs> you can't say you can't be looking at your fucking computer. I'm talking everything. Chubbing penises. Yeah. You can't Chubbing do that up. to me. That's I not saw fair. Him chub up. <laughs> Just no, home. but this is relevant because well, this, this is true. This happened. This is a this is a, this is a culture that happened in the change rooms. I look back and I think the intention of it was to be lighthearted, but there's, it was definitely a scene within a scene. Like you would have been more accepted in that team if you're one of the boys and more one of the boys if you like engaged in that macho horseplay, especially yeah. when nude. If you love nudity, yeah, you yeah, were yeah. in, you'd go out, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And if you were frightened like yeah. a normal person, That's you'd right. be ostracised. And I had a mate who's um, uh, of Sri Lankan heritage, right, yeah, yeah, and being yeah. serious now, yeah, yeah. and this captain was, was desperate to see him nude. Desperate, right. like he made a real thing of it, and right. my mate, he hated it. Yeah, like, absolutely hated it. Yeah. And he left the club, right? So, like, you have this duality of like, oh, well, this is how it was, and it was fun and whatever. But like, there was always people who kind of took it too far or made others feel bad for it. So, does it still exist? I don't know. We're not in those change rooms anymore. No, nah, well, I was the one who played the last of of us, mm. and it was it was it was out. I mean, the mm. the, the, the teams that I played in the, right at the end were real young. So, mm. like, you know, and I was fucking desperate to see this bloke's dick. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, but yeah, I think it's fairly obvious to say that things are for the better now because, like the the, I mean, this our careers now exist on the absolute debauchery mm. of what things were like. But I think the biggest thing that changed in the time that we were playing, in the time you were playing as well, was drink driving. I remember mm. at the very beginning of like I would have been. Well, I, was, I think I was 17 or 18 mm. when I first started playing grade 18. Yeah, I just left school. And then, like, people were, like, like especially, like, lower grade finals, if you're someone in your club, lower grade team, second, third, fourth grade, whatever, fifth grade, fifth grade even, um, made a final, just, like, the club would go down there. It's a Saturday afternoon. It's October mm-hmm. or September or whatever it is, and people were just, like, drinking and driving. Mm. It's just, like – and it's really funny that the stigma – now has changed, obviously for the better, because like drink driving just ruins lives and kills mm. people and all these kind of horrible things devastates people. But like at the time, in like two thousand and four, it was just quite, it was quite normalised and almost like it was a little bit celebrated, a little bit winking and nudge, just like oh, I had fucking fifteen beers, made, made it home last night, oh the old dog, you know that kind of stuff, just mm. absolutely fucking disgraceful. But that's that's what it was, that's what it was in two thousand and four, um, up until two thousand and nineteen when things got better. So um, yeah, and the showering stuff, well, like people don't really shower anymore. Now it's funny because like when England people, when English people came to my club, 
they were kind of like associated like they were called soap dodgers or shower dodgers, just right. like you're not not going to the showers. But when I went to the UK, there was like a real celebrated thing, getting to the showers, real friendly kind of convivial, you know, mm. male horseplay stuff. Mm. Um, but now it doesn't really exist anymore, probably because everyone's so young and has body issues, um, body insecurity issues because everyone online who's 18 now thinks they should look like an Instagram model because that's all they look at all day. And when they don't look like that, they're like, well, I don't want to get naked in front of my friends. That was true. The person who was into the whole gamut of things at this club had was was no oil painting, put it that yeah, way. Right. But he sort of that, he was projecting some insecurities. Don't know, maybe. Don't know. Mm. Good luck. That answer the question. Oh yeah, Michael Michael Holmes as well. Obviously a very good player, and no doubt you snicked both of us off. Um, yeah. But you know, chat shit get hit. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Crooks. I've never said that in my life. No, way too old. Didn't to say that. Speak yourself. Okay, um, I have to reply. <laughs> get, go, get for your okay, day, I'm glad you've included this one. He goes, I've had a message from our skip, former first-class captain, you'll have you know, asking for my number for a chat. Do I champ him upon answering the phone or do I wait to see if I've been banished to reserve grade next season? Hashtag ask TGC. Um, this one came in, I think I did a personal tweet a while ago. I was just searching online for us. When you search on Twitter for hashtag us, they say it's also part of like a different, um, like another program about 10 years ago. Yeah. Also had an hashtag. So, like, mm. yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some funny stuff mm. out there which relates to, which we can mm. answer as well. Mm. I think it's like some women's <laughs> issues, that mm. kind of stuff. Um, anyway, this is by far the most dreaded thing a person in cricket faces during the week, that, that phone call, if you think mm. you're about to get dropped. Um, and in this instance, um, Sam, there's an enormous chance that you are getting dropped. Um, now, the numbers that are scientifically proven to represent your ability, i.e. cricket, in terms of the amount of runs divided by the amount of times you get out and your average and stuff is actual is a perfect representation of your ability. And no one's ever been like a cricketer in – let's put it into the you know, professional sphere. No one's ever been like a guy who's averaged like 30, but he probably should have averaged 65. Mm. You know, that's just not a thing that happens. So it's actually like a really good algorithm. However, <clears throat> there are ways you can um, – you know, argue your case to your captain who has played, uh, well, he's a former first-class captain, the case mm. so he's a better player than you and therefore a better person than you. Yes. Um, now, if you look at the way that, like, um, Trump did that interview with the HBO guy, Jonathan Swan, where he was just saying, look at the numbers. Now, you can just confuse your captain there, pull out some graphs maybe, just look at the numbers. And then Jonathan Swan, i.e. your captain in this instance, Jonathan Swan is your captain in this instance, he'll be looking at numbers and be like, yeah, I am. And you just put that element of doubt in, in his mind. Okay. Just like, look at the numbers. Just keep saying it over and over again. No, look at the numbers. And then he'll say, you can't do that. And be like, yeah, of course he can. Why can't I do that? Just you know, some confusing tactics, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, there's also, um, you, you could also accept the decision um, and you'll be told to like score a buck a lot of runs, prove us wrong. That's obviously a tactic as well. That was a Stuart Broad method where they, they allegedly just got him angry, you know, prove us wrong is what we want you to do. But Stuart Broad at the time had 490 test wickets. So um, I'm not sure if Sam's got that many test wickets, but probably not, I'm guessing. Or you could go down like a route. <clears throat> You know, sledging your incumbent, you know, saying like, you know, what about the emails, Hillary stuff? Or alternatively, you could do some New Zealand election stuff and just push it back. And so maybe just plead your case. Maybe just give me another week, just another couple of weeks. That's what I'd do. That's what I'd do when my captain asks for my number. (laughs) (laughs) David Cummins writes in, good evening, fellas. I've recently escaped COVID-riddled London, brackets fake news, for a few weeks back in rural Northern Ireland. With little else to do, I went to watch my old club's first team yesterday with my father. Upon signing in at the sanitisation station, I was asked by the club treasurer whether I was busy tomorrow. Unaware of the consequences, I politely said I had no plans. He subsequently signed me up for a friendly with an invitational 11. I am 28. He also signed up my 60-year-old father. 
In my heyday, I was a slingy medium pacer, number 10 and all-round badger. After six years of the sesh and eroding eyesight, I've given up on bowling. I insisted today that I would open the batting and left the bowling to the next generation. Fast forward me closing my eyes and swinging my way to 39 out, retired, on an astro track, I find myself umpiring as my father comes into bat. During his walk to the crease, he breaks his hearing aid while putting on his 2006 woodworm helmet. I'm handed the broken remains, which beep steadily for the rest of the innings. He nurdles one down to fine leg like the ex-hockey player he is before missing a straight one. Is it okay for me to raise the finger even though he has been bowled? Does this confirm me as the beater? Is it okay that I took pride in outscoring a man with a free bus pass? Is it okay that he seems fine with me outscoring him? Thoughts appreciated. He goes. I mean, there seems to be a bit of this giving dad out stuff at the moment. Are we just giving rise to it by answering a couple of these questions? There's actually heaps of it out there. I mean, the, 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 the sort of answer that you gave very eloquently last week, Sam, is that it's all Oedipus. And I was, so I was looking into a bit of Oedipus, actually. Um, and, uh, so he, you normally say Oedipus, son. You don't sort of get that puss going on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Anyway, yeah, talking about tragic, tragic hero in Greek mythology <laughs> accidentally, fulfilled a propos- accidentally fulfilled a prophecy that he would end up killing his father and marrying his mother, and thereby bringing disaster to his city and family. Yeah. That's the story of Oedipus. Yep. <laughs> That's all I hear now. And so you can get that on Patreon as well, by the way, can't you? Um, is that what it was? Yeah. Well, to, to me, this story is a bit different to me. He goes just with, you know, sitting on that. But he's uh, enjoying the – he's – well, first of all, he's bringing disaster to his city and family. Mm. That's an obvious thing. Yeah. But he's giving, he's, he's, um, he's relishing the idea of. You're saying there's people asking questions all have Oedipus complex. Yes. Yeah, basically. I think that, I mean, I think that's a given. But the, what I, the thing that's interesting about this one, the thing that caught my eye, raised the eyebrow. What caught your eye? Was when he said, um, uh, what, what was it here? He said, uh, is it okay that he seems fine with me outscoring him? Now, the commonality mm. with all of these father-son issues that I've, observed is that the father's got a lot of problems. The father's normally sledging the son. The father's ignoring the son. Mm. The father's not turned up to cricket. The father hasn't spoken to you for years. You know, the father's not as good at cricket or whatever. Now, this father is fine with his son doing well. And actually look through the rest of the post. And what I see is, firstly, in the father, a perfectly dignified man. You know, he's just playing a game of cricket with his mm. son. He's got a hearing aid, the poor bloke, still goes and plays. For, you know, that's resilience. He breaks his hearing aid as he's coming out. It's in bits. Mm. Gives it to his son. I'm still going to bat. Teach his son a lesson about resilience, being in a team. Nurdles, run ra- nurdles one round for one, using his hockey skills, and then he's out. He gets bowled. And the son wants to stick his finger out. I just think, like, he, the, son, like it's, it sounds, the son's trying to force a dysfunctional relationship when there isn't one. Frankly, I think the father's done a really good job here. Mm. Um, and this guy, DC, has heard story after story of bad father relationships and he thought, I want a piece of that. I like, <laughs> I like that. I'm going to raise my finger when one bowls him. Lame. But, you know, you look around and he looks around and he can't find anything. And I just mm. say, DC, listen up, listen up, brother. He's, your dad's raised you well. Mm. Don't be afraid of it. Mm. Lean into it. Is it one of those ones where you're just embarrassed by parents? Like he's just put on his helmet, he's broken his hearing aid. Like if I if I'm saying like a you know not an elderly man necessarily, but a man then he's you know a man of age perhaps oh, is, is and he does that and you're just like if he's but he's seen that and he's like he's he's fucking old dad. He, David Cummins, look at him. He lives in London, COVID, and he's he's 
parents have done so well, or his father, as far as we know, mm. that he's able to go back to rural Northern Ireland for a little sojourn, <laughs> you know. So already they've kind of probably done quite well in life. Okay. Um, congratulations to them. He's gone to watch a game at the local community, like at the local club on the Saturday with his dad. He's literally voluntarily with his dad going mm. to the cricket, mm. going to the sanitisation station, very sensible people. I mean, what is it? Like the dad's fantastic. Obviously he's raised his son well. They go to cricket together. Then they sign up to play a little bit. Mm. The son, you know, the son sort of hasn't played in years. He gets 30 not out. He's humble about it. Oh, I just closed my eyes and swung. Mm. Everything about this screams normal. Then his dad's poor fucking hearing aid breaks. Mm. And now this guy wants to turn it into a, like a bad father something. It's not happening. He raised you well. Mm. Take it. Yeah, but why did he leave when he was 10? For cigarettes. <laughs> do you want to do one more? Or should we wrap it up? We might wrap it up. I think we wrap it up. Let's wrap this one up. <laughs> well, Ricky Pony was marvellous. I think we all agree. Uh, thanks as ever for joining in. You can find more of this on patreon.com forward slash Cricketer. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in.